0: Good afternoon friends, welcome to another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where we are going to spend the next couple hours right up till 5 o'clock, 5-ish, right there before the 5, engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation here on the Patrick Wiley Show, where we talk about local, state, and national news and politics, but also, you know, other stuff. Today we got, uh, we got some film. We're going to talk about film, you know, handguns, sports, all kinds of stuff. So that'll be fun. Uber producer Dan Peters is in studio with us today, and uh, I am thankful for that. And thank you for spending some time with us on your radio at Information 1000 KSOO, streamed live at KSO.com, or on the KSO mobile app. Remember, you can always follow along on Facebook Live, we're on our Twitter account, Show, all the social medias, all the time. I, Dan, I, I, the rain, dude, I had to ride in the rain again, you know, it's not good. I'm getting wet, I'm soggy, I'm soggy. It's going to stop though. Phil said yesterday it's done. And then, said so the, but you know, Phil said there was a chance of, of showers, you know, uh, uh, redeveloping overnight. It turned into, like, some serious, serious uh, uh, thunderstorms.
1: There was some hail in there. Yeah, that's what I hear. I didn't have a lot of hail by me. Did you have hail? Yeah, we had some hail. I didn't go out and inspect it, but apparently in some sections of Sioux Falls, there was some golf ball-sized hail.
0: That's what I heard. I was a little bit shocked by that because I heard the thunder, the big thunder and all that, and, and, of course, the rain. But I didn't know there was hail until... Somebody texted me this morning. And said, "Did you get hail?" I said, Mm-mm, fine. "Maybe, a, maybe a couple of kerplunks, but nothing serious." And then I find out it's all over the place. But Phil, so I mean, it's not like he, it's not like he was wrong, right? It's it's just kind of a matter of degrees. A chance for reoc- showers reoccurring overnight, you know, that's that's true. In a sort of a broad sense, they did reoccur, but they came with.
1: A little more severe
0: weather, and then I had to ride in the rain this morning.
1: Well, well, what do you want from the guy? Do you want him to just <laughs> start singing the Annie Lennox here? here
0: comes the <laughs> right, that's a, sort of the theme song for us recently. But it's supposed to get nice. So forty. What did you say it's gonna be overnight? Forty-seven. Hey,
1: and we are now at number three. Coming in at number three <laughs> for the wettest. July June July August time period in Sioux Falls recorded history really yes
0: no wonder i feel soggy hey um i'll get over it though you know it's just rain it's better than snow uh did you see this though i i been going to mention this so you know we've had all these uh stolen guns right people getting their guns stolen out of their cars that's correct which i can never i'm always shocked by that i mean i don't personally own a firearm I, you know but if i did i wouldn't leave it in the car unlocked i mean i don't i don't leave my helmet in the car unlocked you know what i'm saying why yeah. would you why would you leave a gun unlocked this guy so i see this this is from our friends at jello land but I, i'm sure it's everywhere because it was i think from police briefing or something sioux falls police are investigating another stolen
1: gun incident this time it was an ar-15 oh yeah now, i i have a story on that at KSOO.com. an ar-15 dude ar15 and the guy claims that the vehicle was locked
0: well even then would you leave your ar-15 in the car heavens no in a pickup so
1: you know why don't you just put up a gun rack and say here it is you know here's
0: my ar15 take, it. take whatever you want i mean it's one thing to have You know, like if you had a gun rack back in the day, right? And you don't see that as much anymore, but you still see it. And even then, you know, if you had a a, a shotgun or whatever in there, you probably wouldn't put like a a nice over under Bernelli or something like that in there. You know, you would just have your, maybe your secondary gun, just if you're out and you saw. Yeah, just your regular
1: Marlin 22 caliber. That's what you want out there.
0: Just something, yeah, for shooting rabbits or something, right? Not something nice. You certainly wouldn't put an AR-15 in your gun rack in the back of your car
2: and then leave it there.
0: Oh, man. That, I you know, uh, is it Arisman, I can't remember who it was. Thinks there should be some sort of penalty for that. And I'm, I'm coming around to that. Like if you have, but then people won't report them stolen. So you can't do that, I guess.
1: But Yeah, if, there will be a system that people will try to, You know, there'll be subterfuge somewhere along the way with this.
0: But I I just don't leave. I don't know why you would do that. I am just flabbergasted that, first of all, people drive around with handguns. Okay. All right. If you have a concealed carry permit, which they're not that hard to get, and you want to have that's fine. Okay. That's the law. It's cool. But if you've got an AR, why are you driving around with an AR-15? Now, maybe you're going to the range. Okay, all right, now I get it. But when you come home and you go in your house and you have some dinner and then you maybe watch some TV or what have you and then go, some point in there, when you go back outside and say, maybe maybe I shouldn't leave the AR-15 in my pick-em-up truck so that somebody can come along and steal it. That's how, this is how... The black market for
1: guns develops
0: because there's stolen guns out there. And there was another story about those guys in Rapid City, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Of course, that was at a store.
0: Yeah. They went in and stole 22 guns. That's a flat-out robbery. That's, you know. But people steal guns, and then they resell them. Although, I don't know how. How do you resell an AR? I suppose anything's sellable.
1: Oh, yeah. You can... <laughs> You know, so you know you can file the numbers off of it, and it's like, hey, I got an AR-15. Really, really? Hell yeah, me, me, me.
0: You got to find yourself a fence. I need to fence this. I need to move my AR-15. <sighs> and then they turn up in bad, bad places. That's the thing, people. That's when the criminals do get their hands on guns. So, if you're, a, if you, if you believe in law and order, and you don't want bad people who shouldn't have guns to have guns, all right. Then lock up your guns or don't leave them in your car. Because clearly your, you know, this pickup, if it was locked, like he says, was not locked very well. I mean, did he take his stereo too and his change?
1: There was other rummaging around, according yeah. to the report. Okay.
0: I can imagine that guy going sort of car to car, some low level hood. He's like, oh, I'm trying to get a couple bucks in change or whatever. Woo. Hey. That there looks like an AR-14, 15, or 14. <laughs> it's one of them. It's either 14 or 15. I'm not real sure. And then you know, running down the street with your AR-15. I don't know. I saw that and I was just flabbergasted. I I don't I don't get it. But just take care of your guns. We we have the right we we have the right to the firearms. You know, but you 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 have to take care of them. Also, I haven't looked lately, but my understanding is an AR-15 is not a cheap weapon. It's not something you pick up for uh, Hunsky.
1: No, a couple, maybe a Thonsky or a few.
0: <laughs> a couple of Thonsky. I think that's probably what it is. So, man, how do you claim that in your insurance? Uh, I lost uh, my car and I got a window, button. Oh, yeah, my AR-15.
1: And you're going to claim this on
0: insurance? Get yeah. out! I get out <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get maybe a skeptical look from your insurance company really really hmm? Hmm? we've got a great show for you today our guests include pat powers of dakotawarcollege.com the blog from the right side of the aisle kelly rundle with the fourth wall films uh, this is a company that made the uh documentary that shows out at good earth state park and uh it's about uh, the history of the region they were recently nominated for a regional emmy for the film and we'll talk to kelly courtney thompson she was an olympic gold medalist with u.s volleyball and she is going to be joining the sanford pentagon volleyball academy and she's going to be with us today the boon man is our weird friend of the day and i will have a PL statement just after the break today's topic last words from john mccain This is The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. Morning on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. And it's time of the day when we look through the news and uh, find things that uh, anger us and make us happy and disturb us and uh, get our blood boiling. And uh, today, um, I want to do something because uh, I, you know, we've talked about John McCain, and of course, that's been uh, the big news uh, all week. Um, I just, you know, I don't know if you read his letter uh, that he wrote that he wanted read upon his passing. Um, But I just, I want to take some time and just read it to you today. My fellow Americans, whom I have gratefully served for 60 years, and especially my fellow Arizonans, thank you for the privilege of serving you and for the rewarding life that service in uniform and in public office has allowed me to lead. I have tried to serve our country honorably. I have made mistakes, but I hope my love for America will be weighed favorably against them. I have often observed that I am the luckiest person on earth. I feel that way even now as I prepare for the end of my life. I have loved my life, all of it. I have had experiences, adventures, and friendships enough for ten satisfying lives. And I am so thankful. Like most people, I have regrets. But I would not trade a day of my life, in good times or bad times, for the best of anyone else's. Children, he he was prouder of than I of mine. I owe it to America to be connected to America's causes, liberty, equal justice, respect for the dignity of all people, brings happiness more sublime than life's fleeting pleasures. Our identities and self sense of worth are not circumscribed but enlarged by serving good causes bigger than ourselves. Fellow Americans, that association has meant more to me than any other. I lived and died a proud American. We are citizens of the world's greatest republic, a nation of ideals, not blood and soil. We are blessed and are a blessing to humanity when we uphold and advance those ideals at home and in the world. We have helped liberate more people from tyranny and poverty than ever before in history. We have acquired great wealth and power in the process. We weaken our greatness when we confuse our patriotism with tribal rivalries that have sown resentment and hatred and violence in all the corners of the globe. We weaken it when we hide behind walls rather than tear them down, when we doubt the power of our ideals rather than trust them to be the great great force for change they have always been. We are 325 million opinionated vociferous individuals. We argue and compete and sometimes even vilify each other in our raucous political debates. But we have always had so much more in common with each other than in disagreement. If only we remember that and give each other the benefit of the presumption that we will love our country, that we all love our country, we will get through these challenging times. We will come through them stronger than before. We always do. Ten years ago, I had the privilege to concede defeat in the election for president. I want to end my farewell to you with the heartfelt faith in Americans that I felt so powerfully that even, evening. I feel it powerfully still. Do not despair of our present difficulties, but believe always in the promise and greatness of America. Because nothing is inevitable here, Americans never quit, we never surrender, we never hide from history, we make history. Farewell, fellow Americans. God bless you, and God bless America. I just, uh, I found that stirring and touching in so many ways, Um, mostly because I think it expressed, for me, many of the ideals of, of individual rights and human rights and civil rights that We do all share. And if you keep your eye and your mind and your focus on the ideals upon which we are founded, the ideals that were not forged from an ethereal philosophy, but were ideals and a philosophy applied to experience and applied to a world that could be better, that people saw as inhumane and strove for humanity. And I hear those concepts ring true in John McCain's words. And sometimes we lose the ideals that are there in this idea of a jingoistic patriotism. A patriotism, a nationalism that is forged from something not of the ideals upon which we are based, that is forged from a concept of division, of us versus them, not of humans, not of humanity, but of race, religion, creed. And that's why I appreciated John McCain, because he was an American. He was a proud American, clearly. He belie- but he, he, he was based in those ideals because those were the ideals he fought for. Those were the ideals that he suffered for. And those were the ideals that he tried to represent. And he made mistakes. And he admitted them many times. But it is in the admitting of one's own failings that we collectively can find some strength. We are all faulted. We are all sinners. We are all, at some measure, just trying to do better each day. And if we can remember that, and we can remember what John McCain says in those in his letter, we'll be better off for it. That's the bottom line on today's PL statement. You can agree or disagree with me. Email me at patrick at kso.com. Drop us a line on Twitter at plallyshow. Love to hear from you. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we've got the boon man in for weird friends. Stay with us. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO.
3: Dead pictures of me, I got Michael 45 right by my side.
0: 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we are joined, as most Tuesdays, by the Boone Man for Weird Friends. Boone, how are, how, how's it going over there, man? How are you doing? How are you hanging? You dry? You warm and dry?
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, but, man, thank, thank, <laughs> thankfully we had some rain to settle the dust uh, earlier today because it was just brutal.
0: You got uh, construction? You, see, you mean in the construction zone over there? No. Is that?
2: No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked up my my lawn is so green it hurts my eyes. <laughs> I, I can hear it growing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, what... I, you know, I I, 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 as I've said before, I live in the country. I have a well. Uh, I water my yard mm-hmm. uh, because it's only my well is only thirty eight feet deep, and I figure. Uh, everything I sprinkle onto my sandy soil goes right back into my well. So, um, And I like to walk barefoot in the yard. Mm-hmm. You
0: like to have so, it more, just
2: lush, lush. Very green. It's very yeah. green. And my sprinkles have been out for six weeks. And I <laughs> still have to mow about every three days. <laughs> it sucks.
0: Hey, I thought about you today. Uh, earlier in the show, I was talking about, because uh, uh, it's has got guns and, you yeah. know, your lawn. Uh, and uh, uh, the only reason I would not walk in your lawn would be fear of stepping on some you know spent casings.
2: I but, always pick those up. I oh, always pick okay. Up all the shells, pick up the brass, pick up the uh, the shotgun shells. But uh, yeah, uh, the, the you know guns have been in the news.
0: Yeah, and so this guy this guy leaves his AR fifteen in his pickup truck.
4: Yeah,
0: that's uh, what do you mean? That just is that just flat out stupid, or is there a reason to leave your gun in your pickup truck?
2: Well, you know, he might have forgotten it. In there. He might have a lot of them. That's um, true. You know, I don't know if it was visible. I have been known to periodically have weapons in my vehicle. They are securely stowed out of sight. And, you know, I always drive uh, vehicles that nobody really is interested in trying to break in. They go, oh, hey, let's see what's in that piece of crap. <laughs> uh, you know, so I don't, you know, I... I don't believe there's any weapons in my truck right now, as far as anyone knows. But it, it's all—I know that if I ever do, it is most definitely locked.
0: Yes, and he said it was locked, but
2: that's a likely story. It's, I don't, I'm not buying that. I'm not either. But I
0: just—that just seems so so silly. And then
2: yeah. I don't. Unless I'm going somewhere to do something in particular with the weapon, I, I typically would not have it in the car and leave it in the car overnight. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but remember, you know, you don't often see the gun racks in the back window anymore.
0: No, that's what, especially with an uh, AR-15 in it.
2: Not, not East River, anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, as Dan and I were talking earlier, even if you did, you know, you might not have your. Your nice shotgun in there, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have your road one in there. Yeah, the one you don't mind getting confiscated or stolen. <laughs> That's
0: right. Well, but there's guns everywhere. I mean, there's guns all the time in the news. A guy, uh, what is? It's
2: janitors with guns. Yeah,
0: janitors with guns. What is I mean, that?
2: It sounds like an awful metal garage band name. <laughs> I mean, it's just a horrible. Metal band playing in the garage. They should stay in the garage. Uh, Janitors with guns. And I'm. I would say you watch over the course of the next year. There will be a Sioux Falls garage band called Janitors with Guns.
0: <laughs> it'd be like a. it will be a merger between Janitor Bob and uh, the
1: Armchair Cowboys with Guns. The Armchair
0: Cowboys with Guns. That's good. Armed Chair Cowboys would be. Uh, that'd be good. Janitor Bob. He's the Armed Chair Cowboy. It's there.
2: Did you did you see the story? And now he's apparently appearing before a judge today, so maybe we'll get more of it. But as I understand it, his story that he is currently sticking with mm-hmm. at last report was that he found it in a car <laughs> that was there for students to work on, the gun and the ammo, yeah. and then after he touched it, he thought, oh... That's bad. I will need to concoct this story about finding it somewhere and plan I uh, there's just uh yeah no. It's I, not.
0: The- it's not a good story. It's no. not even a good story.
2: He is certainly not a master criminal. <laughs> <laughs> we, not-
0: we can take some solace from the fact that he's not very good at
2: it. If he was considering a life of crime, this should be a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that good at it uh, because. Yeah, you're going to have to come up with a better story than that one. I I liked the, uh, what is the superintendent's name, Maher? Yeah, Maher. Brian
0: Brian Maher. Brian Maher,
2: yeah. Mm. Uh, I think the quote was, yeah, I'm just not, uh, that story, I'm not buying it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's uh, right. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's like a kid. Making up a story to tell his dad about something that he broke. <laughs> it's just—it's like if you were backing up uh, your Jeep Cherokee through the snow, door <laughs> open, and looking out the door as you're backing up and ripping the door off the truck, and then telling your dad it just fell off. Yeah, where that's a story like that. That seems—that really, seems like
0: an inconceivable story, Boo, Man. I don't know where you would make something like that up. I don't know where you would get that. I'm crazy. in fact. I'm staring right now at my Twitter messages, waiting for the response from Florida I, on that one.
2: I, I believe there should be a response coming from down south on that one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's it's only a matter of time. Uh, yeah, because that kind of thing would never happen. Um, <laughs> but that is about the quality of story that yeah. a that a 16 year old boy would make
2: up. Only
0: this guy was working for the school district. Which he,
2: unbelievable. But you know, one other gun thing if you got a minute is mm-hmm. I saw in the in the in the news the uh, the 3D gun plan. Yeah, that's that, weird. Uh, that, now, do you know anyone with a 3D printer? Am I just in am I living in a cave? Uh, what yeah. I
0: I have I have uh, seen <laughs> a guy with a you know, no, is he a friend of mine? No, but I've met a guy who owns a 3D printer. And was uh, demonstrating it,
2: and can make stuff. Yeah, can
1: make, uh,
0: it's cool. Okay. It's really cool. You just put the block of plastic or whatever in there, and uh-huh. put turn on the computer, and uh-huh. takes a while. Huh? You know, make all and the parts
2: the, local. There are there are people in Sioux Falls that own three D printers.
0: Oh sure, yes, many. Well, I know. But I, would you shoot a plastic gun, though? <laughs> I, don't, uh,
2: I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so, no. And that's when, the, I mean, the, the guns are, a, you know, they're, I, don't think, I don't think people should be afraid of guns. I think they should be of respect for them, mm-hmm. understand them, and be educated about them. But I don't know that I'd shoot a plastic one.
0: No, I think that sounds like a really bad idea. I think you'd be better, you'd be more dangerous with a plastic knife. Which...
2: Yes, because have you seen those knives that you use for cutting cheese? <laughs> plastic ones. Yes, man, I'm telling you, those are sweet. I mean, you can cut Velveeta with that <laughs> stuff, and it that works. There's some magic involved with those plastic knives, and they're dangerous. That's why. That's why they you know they have the spork.
0: Yeah, that's right. To keep people from hurting themselves with sharp plastic utensils.
2: Kentucky Fried Chicken, you're not going <laughs> to get a knife and a fork. Spork is all you get.
0: Well, let's be serious. If you're going after a big old piece of uh, breast, Kentucky Fried Chicken breast meat with a, with a regular old plastic fork, you're going to get a tine in the tooth. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. They, yep. You need the spork just to – well, you shouldn't be eating fried chicken with your utensils anyway.
2: Finger
0: food. Yeah, it's just finger food. It's hand food. <laughs> it's hand-to-hand combat food. Yes. Uh, no, I, I think you could make a – but I, if you had one of them uh, 3-D printers – you could make a relatively dangerous. There it is. I just got the uh, emojis from Florida. Um, yep. I uh, uh, you can make a relatively dangerous sword, <laughs> or like a a short sword, you know, like a gladiator kind of thing.
2: Or uh, you know, or, or uh, like a, a mace or a hammer of some sort. Yes. X. Yeah, there's a lot of weapons you could. That I would feel much safer wielding than a gun
0: not creating a small explosion right in front of your face
2: well yeah that and <laughs> in your hand i mean yes. i mean you want uh you want the nickname lefty no that's the way
0: to... <laughs> that's the way get a plastic gun you yeah. know i uh uh they this guy though is you know sending out the plans to people who want them in in defiance of a federal court order so i think
2: well and that's you know, not smart. a loophole that he they couldn't he couldn't post them so he's selling them he figures if I'm selling them, I'm not posting it for free. Yeah, uh, get around that.
0: And, so. he's, uh, and he's like, "Pay whatever you want." I'm sending you a, a thumb drive. I don't no. think that's going to fly in federal court. I don't know. I'm, no. That's what I'm thinking. He probably won't. Yeah. But, uh, uh, let's do, uh, anyway, boom Man, um, be careful out there. Now yes, secure your weapons.
2: I, I, we, I always. I'll, I'm going to go. I'm going to go scan my vehicles right now to make sure I don't have any. <laughs> Stray firearms laying around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't you don't want to be on the news for that.
2: No, you know uh, what I nope, mean? nobody wants to be on the news for that. All right.
0: Well, hey man, thanks a lot and uh hopefully we'll get to talk to you real soon.
2: Did they publish the latest guy to lose his gun's name?
0: Um the the guy in the truck? Yeah. I think so.
2: Yeah.
0: Dan Peters
1: did a story about it earlier.
0: That's bonehead. Did yeah. they pub didn't they release his name, Dan?
1: The guy who left his AR-15? Yeah. No, they did not release his name because he is a crime victim because his stuff was was stolen.
0: That's right. That's right. right. He's that committed a crime. Nope. Even though there is probably a... a, It's not a violation of the legal code. It's a a violation of the stupidity code.
2: And the man code.
0: And the man... Oh, definitely the man code. Yeah. No doubt about that. All right. Cool, brother. See you soon. Carry on. Coming up after the break here, we're going to chat with a Olympic gold medalist... Volleyball player, Courtney Thompson, she is uh, joining the staff out there at Sanford Pentagon Volleyball Academy, and so your kiddos can learn all the proper bumping and uh, uh, setting and uh, spiking from a gold medalist. So we'll chat with her in just a moment. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 3.50 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. KSOO. And we are have on the phone line, I'm very happy to say, Courtney Thompson. She is a Olympic volleyball player, a medalist, and a, a member of the world championship team in 2014. And uh, Courtney, thanks for taking some time for us today.
3: Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Uh, so you're out in beautiful Seattle, Washington, but you are soon to be uh, in Sioux Falls and working with the San... St- St- Stanford. Sanford Pentagon Volleyball Academy. Uh, tell us uh, what exactly you're going to do for Sanford.
3: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've had a blast uh, every time I've been out there and just hoping to be a uh, help to the program in any way I can and get to work with a lot of kids that are in the volleyball program there at the Pentagon and uh, as well as the coaches and, you know, just uh, empower them with as many tools and skills as I can that allow them to, you know, enjoy kind of pursuing their best and whatever that looks like for them.
0: Yeah, and volleyball uh, has really become a, uh, one of the big sports here in South Dakota. Uh, and yeah. we've been fortunate to produce a, a lot of Division One volleyball players uh, out of this area. What, what is it that makes, what separates uh, a volleyball player from, uh, as a college player from a high school player? I mean, what, what, what makes somebody really good at volleyball?
3: Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I I think it's it's a real technical sport. So I think just that willingness to uh, to fail, to learn, and to continue on that path of learning, and uh, in my experience, the people that do that the best usually end up in, um, you know, having the most success. So it's not always easy to you know push what's possible for you and to to take risks and to go for things when you're not quite sure how they're going to work out. But if you're willing to hang in there long enough, I think we're usually more powerful than we think. So. Great learners and great competitors.
0: It helps to be tall, right? But it's not necessary.
3: Hey, yeah. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah, I could have used a few inches for sure. So you, um, you I'm, were... I'm only fast seven. Oh, man. So I, yeah, I'm, I would be on the lower end of the height-wise. But yeah, it certainly can help in some positions. But uh, there's a libero, too, who doesn't need to be tall for any reason.
0: Yeah. So you were at the Olympics in London in 2012, Rio in 2016, and then you won the World Championships uh, in you won silver in 12 and, and and bronze in 16 and then the gold yeah. at the world championships um what was that experience like for you because for, you were on the national team for a long time
3: yeah yeah um pretty surreal i think it's just crazy i used to watch you know college sports and and think man how do they do that and then you get in college and you watch the olympics and they just seem like superhuman, you know mm-hmm. and so for most of my first one i was like how did i get here <laughs> Like, what's going on and um but it's pretty cool to be able to, uh, like I said, dive into learning and really commit to something that is such a long-term goal, you know, and to have it come to fruition and get to compete for your country and wear your flag on your chest and all the, the good that that represents. And there's nothing like it. And I think as an athlete or anyone, when you're really fighting for something that's bigger than you, um, I don't know if it gets any better than that. So I had a blast in my career.
0: So you were on the team for 10 years. Um and now you're going to be coming to Sioux Falls. When, when will you be coming and uh, how can people access uh, your expertise?
3: Yeah, I, I think the next time I'll be coming is uh, late fall or in January and maybe three or four times a year. And um, if they get in touch with the volleyball program at Pentagon, you know, they'll find ways that we can connect around right there, whether we're doing clinics or on the court or classroom sessions off the court to talk about some mental skills or, it could be over Skype while well, I'm in Seattle and, and finding creative ways to really connect and to help this next generation in any way we can.
0: Well, Courtney, I appreciate you taking some time with us today. And uh, it, it, people can uh, connect with you through the Sanford Pentagon. That's easy enough to find. And uh, yeah. we'll get a link up on our Twitter account so people can find that information. But uh, I Great. appreciate you taking some time with us today. And good luck when you get here.
3: Thank you so much. Looking forward
0: to it. Courtney Thompson, she is a Olympic uh Medalist volleyball player, two times in the Olympics, 12 and 16, and world championship in 2014. And uh, we'll, as I said, get that info on our Twitter feed, at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we've got Pat Powers from the com. We'll talk politics from the right side of the aisle. This is the Patrick Lally Show, information 1000 KSOO. This
5: is a
4: public service announcement with guitar.
0: 358 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up September 6th and 7th next week, it's the National Kidney Foundation premier dinner and event and golf tournament Thursday night. There will be a dinner starting at 530 at Willow Run with entertainment, silent, and live auction. The golf tournament is Friday morning with registration at 8 a.m. at Willow Run Golf Course. For more information, see the events calendar at KSOO.com. Coming up after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters is Pat Powers from com. This is The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000
4: KSOO.
0: Oh, an 4.07 on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO, and it's Tuesday, and it's just after 4 which means we normally talk to Pat Powers from com, the blog out of Brookings, South Dakota, that comes at the world from a Republican's point of view. Mr. Powers, uh, that is a true and accurate statement,
4: is it not? You know, I, I think we can go with that.
0: All right, now we finally nailed that down after, after lo these many weeks. Um, so, uh, as a Republican, Mr. Powers, uh, obviously the news of... Uh, John McCain's passing is sad for many people, but uh, I'm, I'm just wondering what uh, if you had any uh, uh, interactions or memories of uh, Mr. McCain that um, are worth noting at this point?
4: Well, you know, my experience with Senator McCain, uh, my, my first year in uh, working in politics, I worked for the state Republican Party uh, with their legislative campaigns, which you know, means you get tasked with all sorts of duties. But uh, my first uh, Republican state convention that uh, in South Dakota in 1988, uh, the featured speaker at the uh, Republican banquet for the convention, our, our featured speaker was uh, Senator John McCain because he was being looked at as a as a potential vice presidential candidate uh, in the in the days before. Uh, they talked about uh, Dan Quayle, but he was the featured speaker at the uh, at the banquet and, and told some told very compelling story about his time as a prisoner of war and and how he couldn't raise his arms above his shoulders because uh, they had been so badly broken in the uh, uh, when he was tortured by mm-hmm. the North Vietnamese and you know it just just incredibly uh, incredibly compelling and. Hardly a, hardly a dry eye in the audience, and twenty years after that, I, I found myself as a uh, McCain delegate to the Republican National Convention held in uh, Minneapolis in two thousand. Oh, really? And and you know, exciting time, lots of fun, and uh, but uh, you know, I, there were a lot of people who they they were glad to get behind Senator McCain as the presidential nominee because you know he he was willing to be a little different and he stood out as a maverick and 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 certainly proved that uh, by selecting uh, Sarah Palin as his uh, vice presidential candidate
0: yeah and he wrote later that he he uh, regretted not picking Lieberman Um, but uh, it was uh, at the time seen as a kind of a bold and necessary move Uh, she fizzled out a little bit but that's you know it was uh it was a big move and and really i remember that day when i was actually driving and listening to the radio when he made that announcement and when he said when when it when it all came out i was like you got to be kidding me <laughs> 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 but uh yeah he was a great guy it's kind of hard to believe now that um he is considered i mean pretty obviously he he is uh pushing back against the president but pretty main line uh republican uh uh you know solid and you know 20 years ago he was the maverick you know
4: oh absolutely absolutely and and you know then there's some people who still uh they they think of him as being too far left but you know he was a he was a fairly good presidential candidate for republicans and and uh you know i I think uh you know even even now just on the eve after his his death uh, i mean i think he's looked at pretty favorably
0: yeah what do you make of all this Uh, you know it it really is too bad and i've talked about it um that there has to be this you know controversy and flap surrounding the flag and the president in what should be a a pretty reverential reverent reverent thank you uh a, a a period of mourning for the senator um, is it? it's too bad. It really kind of makes me sad.
4: Well, you know, we sometimes we, we get so wrapped up in, in ideology that, you know, it's, it, it can get tough to remember basic human decency.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: that's exactly it and uh i wish there was a little more human decency and uh, we weren't talking about that but that's that's too bad we're uh but john mccain uh you know rest in peace and uh, i read his uh his farewell letter earlier in the show and it's it's quite moving and representative i think of uh sort of the broader ideals of america
4: you know he, he was certainly a man who was was committed to country and and by his own admission uh not not perfect but you know he certainly represents a- an ideal of what the type of citizen we should all strive to be.
0: Yeah. We're going to come right back and talk more with Pat Powers about some stuff going on in state politics right after this short message. This is the Patrick Lally show, Information 1000, KSOO.
3: I choose my friends who too well
2: I'm up on the pavements. And they're all down in the saddle with their golden grass. And my IQ, they brought me down a size. Academia
0: blue. 417 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSO. Oh, and we are chatting with Pat Powers, the author and force behind dakotawarcollege.com, a blog about politics. Mr. Powers, of course, is a Republican, and we make that uh, apparent at the top of the hour, at the top of the show and at the top of every segment because we want people to understand, Pat, that this is just your perspective, right? Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> just just my two cents worth and it and it's probably worth about that much.
0: Um the uh, uh so I see on your blog here, uh this was uh from the 25th, a couple of days ago, District 31 dem house candidate, which De- District 31 is way out west somewhere. I don't even know where that is. Running Well, that, that's the-
4: that's out out past where That's uh, where they wear cowboy hats and and boots all the time, except up at the college. (laughs)
0: So that's out in Spearfish. Uh, He says he's running because he claims there is a, quote, valid need for gun control and, quote, toxic masculinity. And as you note in this uh, post here, um, uh, the young man is uh, uh, sort of uh, running against the tide out there in in Lawrence County. Um, Well, you know,
4: running on those issues, that that would be kind of... uh, a tough row to hoe, uh, in in country where we use terms like tough row to hoe, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know we we don't hear a lot about toxic masculinity in uh, in South Dakota. I, I, I don't know that's ever been identified as a as a big issue.
0: Well, it, he's trying to equate it to, to sort of uh mass shootings and 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 this idea that uh, you know this the idea that, that you have to be you know. A, a highly driven male, and and to, that causes some sort of uh, uh, violent tendencies, I guess. But you know, his, his name is Wyatt Astis, and and you know, I I give him credit for you know not bending his beliefs to fit a particular sort of formula. You know what I'm saying? He's already got, he's already facing an uphill battle out there in Lawrence County. Throw it, just stand behind what you believe,
4: right? That's that's well, politics. You know, that's the, the the public discourse. <laughs> well, in in working with candidates a lot, of, you know, I tell them you don't always have to agree with everybody, but, you know, find areas of commonality. Mm-hmm. You know, where where do you agree? Where, you know, how, how can you best represent the people you want to represent? And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's a lot of commonality out there with many people in his legislative district, uh, you know it's just not something you hear about in South Dakota
0: <laughs> and the campus of uh, Black Hill state university, probably some like-minded folks there, but it's, uh, not enough. Is that what you're yeah.
4: thinking? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of an interesting viewpoint to take, uh, to, to say the least, but, but we'll, we'll see how that works out for him at the ballot box. I'm, you know, if, if his opponents were worried enough, I, I'm sure he's, He's given them a good issue that they can postcard him on, but uh, I, I don't know if it's going to come to that.
0: Yeah. Toxic masculinity. Hey, at least it's a good line, right?
4: <laughs> well, it, it'll, <laughs> it'll certainly it will certainly get him attention.
0: Uh, that's funny. Um, so the other thing, the other Democrat that you take uh, uh, take issue with uh, today or the, recently um, is uh, Mister. Seiler, Randy Seiler, who is the Democratic AG candidate. Um, and he is quoted in the Rapid City Journal talking about uh, being opposed to some of the uh, lawsuits that uh, former attorney general uh, or outgoing attorney general Marty Jackley signed on to. And, you know, in in his defense, uh, our attorney general is fairly active and in get involved in the national issues. Um, Mr. Seiler quotes cites a couple of them. one is Obamacare. Um, why? Why is why do you think? that it's uh, not good for Mr. Siler to point this out, because there are a lot of people out there who wondered uh, about uh, Mr. Jackley's pretty regular uh, signing on to issues that may or may not have been directly related to South Dakota.
4: Well, you know, Marty had uh, Marty's been pretty active on, uh, on defending issues of, of state's rights and that might be an outmoded concept to some, but you know for uh, for a lot in South Dakota you know it's important to people to not necessarily accept every mandate that comes down from the federal government and and these were two very important ones that Randy was uh, complaining about you know the first one was Obamacare mm-hmm. and uh, some of the individual mandate issues that uh, that you know, a lot of people have taken issue with, but the other one and, and probably is going to hurt him more because every you know everybody understands you know we're against Obamacare, but the other one had to do with the uh, with the lawsuit against the EPA and mm-hmm. federal government for what uh, a lot of people throw around as WOTUS, the Waters of the United States, yeah, because the EPA was attempting to put clean water regulations on everything from the water in your ditch to the water in your stock pond to, you know, just an incredible regulatory mess. And, you know, I don't know a lot of farmers who like filling out uh, forms about the quality of the water in their ditch. Mm -hmm. And I I would say, I
0: would say that if you were going to pick uh, some lawsuits to uh, point out Mr. Jackley's uh, what you believe to be uh, inappropriate use of of the AG's office. That one probably wasn't the best. <laughs> no, no,
4: I I, I think uh, it, especially because it was so universally reviled, and I and I believe that reached across the aisle with uh, because we had everybody in our delegation from the governor mm-hmm. to Congress to the U.S. senators uh, just raising cane about it, and uh, and I think uh, in in a lot of ag states they also uh that also reached across the aisle to some of their democratic senators who were not happy about it. So now, it was not this, popular
0: in in no. agricultural states there's no question about that.
4: No, no, and and this one uh this might be uh one of those where Randy stubbed his toe.
0: And uh, but at the same time and, and and again it's it's one of those issues where you've got an issue, okay? It there there's there's something to Uh, this conversation about what the AG should sign on to and not sign on to, because there were a lot of them, but then it's, it's sort of misapplied. Um, And, and now you're not talking about what it is the attorney general should do. You're suddenly talking about uh, EPA and water quality. And so you've missed the misapplied what you're trying to do by, by making a point about AG Jackley.
4: Well, absolutely, you know, and and there are uh, some of the uh, attorney generals, the Republicans versus Democrats, and, and lawsuits they sign on to, uh, they're, uh, they're getting more and more politicized. You have mm-hmm. Democrat attorney generals across the country. There aren't a lot of them, but uh, a few of them are taking issue with going after corporations such as the oil companies, uh, complaining about... Uh, pollution caused by oil and they're suing oil banding mm-hmm. together and suing oil companies uh yeah and that and there that was some of that a little,
0: that's sort of what uh we were involved with with the tobacco companies too and people generally supported that that was bipartisan
4: you know uh to <laughs> you know it was it was bipartisan to a point uh but yeah it, it, that enjoyed more popular support i think than and suing oil companies uh, saying oil causes pollution.
0: Well, you know, it might cause pollution. <laughs> oil, is, <laughs> oil is, in fact, when you burn things, it pollutes things. So, But, but the point being that it has, it has become a method by which uh, uh, p- political action is being uh, taken through whatever attorney generals are out there, and, and you see these states banding together. It's a kind of an interesting phenomenon.
4: Well, you know, you've got, uh, I would agree, you've got political groups who are trying to change the way we, our society operates, and and they're going to use every tool at their disposal.
0: The courts are for everybody, after all, right?
4: <laughs> That's right.
0: Uh, Pat Powers, uh, he is blogger at dakotawarcollege.com, joins us most Tuesdays to talk about politics. Pat, really appreciate it. Have a good week.
4: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Coming up after the break, the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters. We are going to chat with some folks. Kelly Rundle of Fourth Wall Films, and they have made a documentary. They made the documentary for the Good Earth at Blood Run Visitor Center, and it has been nominated for a regional Emmy, and we're going to talk to them about that. So stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO
4: is a waitress with a sweet tattoo she's gorgeous and in love with you uh-huh.
0: 335 on the Patrick Lally show information 1000 KSOO and I'm quite pleased to have on the phone from uh, I believe uh, the wilds of eastern Iowa Kelly Rundle who is the uh, with Fourth Wall Films which is a company out of uh, I believe uh, the Quad Cities area which has recently been nominated for a regional enemy for their film that they did as uh, that's part of the Good Earth State Park uh, operation out there in the presentation. And uh, Kelly, Mr. Rundle, uh, thank you very much for taking some time to chat with us.
5: My pleasure. Thanks for having
0: me. Uh, So uh, you are, in fact, uh, somewhere in eastern Iowa, are you not?
5: We are in northwest Illinois.
0: Northwest Illinois?
5: What? We're We're on the Illinois side of the Quad Cities. Oh,
0: that's right. In Moline. Beautiful downtown Moline. Um I see Quad Cities, I think Iowa. It's it's uh it, it's just my default. there's something wrong with me. Um so you your company, uh Fourth Wall Films, uh made this uh a movie, this short film, uh it's about about eighteen, nineteen minutes about right. Good Earth the history of Good Earth State Park. Tell me um so you got it it must be a little bit of a contract or something with the game fish and parks department, correct?
5: Yes. Uh, It was a competitive process. I'm not sure the exact number, but it was more than 30 companies nationwide and uh, more than 40 uh, different proposals. Oh, wow. And um, so that that process uh, played out uh, early in uh, 2016. And then we were selected to make the film, I think it was in March of 2016,
0: And the film is really, uh, it tells the story of Good Earth. Um, When you uh, got this, uh, uh, won this award, or, you know, were awarded this contract, um, how did you go about figuring out, how am I going to tell this story? What was your process here?
5: Well, the, and that part had to be decided uh, before we got the uh, project, Mm -hmm. because that was part of the presentation. We were one of uh, three companies that were selected to make a presentation directly to the folks from the Game, Fish, and Parks uh, Department, and we did that in February, I think, of 2016. And one of the things that, um, I guess, got us the job was that they they liked the story, the way that we wanted to tell the story. I wish I could tell you that uh, I went through a long and arduous process (laughs) coming up with the idea for the film but uh, it was like a gift i mean uh, sometimes we do go through a, a period of of a painful period of trying to come up with creative ideas but the idea for this just uh, came to me and uh, what you see in the film is it goes all the way back to what we initially proposed so the the idea stayed intact all the way through the process
0: now the film is you can see it out at the uh, good earth visitor center correct in their theater there um, yeah, and it really is beautiful uh it, it it uh really captures that area at good earth state park which is right over uh east of sioux falls and uh just a couple miles out of town right on the iowa border there it's a beautiful area um how long uh did you have to shoot to capture those images because some of them are stunning
5: <laughs> yeah we We uh, had two different uh, units, I guess you'd call it. Uh, We had a a friend out of uh, Cedar Rapids, Kevin Railsback, whose specialty is uh, nature uh, cinematography. And so Kevin did some work on his own at the park, um, and then we did some uh, of that shooting as well. And uh, so, yeah, we had an opportunity to spend some time uh, in that place and to really get a feel for what it was like visually, certainly, and as you say, it is a very, very beautiful uh, spot. There's so, in a, in a way, you just have to point a camera at it. <laughs>
0: but the lighting—you—you ha- you captured some nice light, and I suppose you had to uh, be very patient for that.
5: Yeah, sometimes you do, and um, and we just uh, throughout the prog- uh, project, because we had many shooting days over the course of several months, we were just blessed with great weather, and um, that—that's. Fortunate, <laughs> fortunate that it was that way. But uh, we had a little roll of thunder here or there. But otherwise, we we had, just had some really terrific days and were able to capture those images that you're talking about.
0: Some great skies, uh, just some you know cloud uh, formations. Essentially, uh, that you just must have got up that day and said, "Oh man, we are blessed today." <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. Right.
0: Um, so the Emmy process here, it's a regional Emmy. How do, what's that like? You've been through this process before, right?
4: We
5: have. This is our fourth uh, nomination, and um, it's a, I guess you'd call it, a, it's a kind of a film festival that you enter, and it's um, in response to a broadcast. So it has to do with things that are broadcast on, in this case, um, it's been broadcast on PBS stations, several in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then you just wait. And then there's an announcement that comes eventually several months later. And then uh, in September, we would find out whether we received the award. The film has received uh, some awards already. It's been in a few film festivals. And um, it was on, uh, it was part of what's the largest archaeology film festival in the country called the Archaeology Channel Film Festival in Eugene, Oregon, and won several awards there.
3: Well, it's a very
5: unique story that not a lot of people know about, and uh, Tammy and I are in the business of telling Midwestern stories, and uh, it's certainly a great Midwestern story.
0: Yeah, and we should point out, you were the director of the film, Kelly Rundle, and then Correct. your wife, Tammy, is the producer, so you guys have uh, quite the family operation going over
5: there. <laughs> we do. We've produced uh, about a dozen uh, historical documentary films, and um, the topics are, are quite... Uh, different, but uh, we had done some work previously with the uh, two Iowa tribes, and um, and so we knew about the Good Earth story and had known about it for a decade before this opportunity came along. Yeah.
0: We're going to come right back and talk more with Kelly Rundle. He was the uh, director of a film on Good Earth State Park uh, at Blood Run and is recently nominated for a Regional Emmy, and we'll talk more with Kelly right after this short message. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. Maybe
1: the sun will shine today.
0: Four forty six on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand K S O O. Now we return to our conversation with Kelly Rundle. He is a, the director of a short film that it plays at the good earth state park theater and has been nominated for a regional Emmy. He made the film. He is the director. His wife is Tammy is the producer. And, uh, uh, Kelly, we were talking about just, uh, uh, sort of the, the beauty of the area. And, uh, uh, but that's not really this, the story. The story is about, uh, the, the people who live there. And, uh, I'm wondering how, how, uh, uh, what was, how difficult is it to tell that story, which is essentially archaeology and history, uh, and make it uh, accessible for people who are just showing up at a state park at a, uh, in, a, in a small theater in a visitor center? Uh, what, what, how do you do that?
5: <laughs> well, the title of the film is Good Earth Awakening the Silent City. And that phrase, Silent City, comes from a man named Richard Pettigrew, who came upon the site in the late 1800s and created a very detailed map of what remained. So we sort of explore that theme uh, in the film, the idea of a story that's there but is something that we have to discover. Um, And these days, because information has been scattered, we're pulling it from a lot of different directions. As you indicated, it was uh, a home to native people uh, between approximately 1500 and 1725. Those folks were ancestors of uh, tribal people that we now know as the Omaha, the Ponca, the Iowa, and the Oto. Mm -hmm. It was a very significant trading center, and uh, they traded uh, pipestone, uh, buffalo hides, and also culture at that site. The park wanted us to uh, direct the film at 4th and 5th graders first because they expected that to be one of their audiences during the school year and um and also it had to uh, coordinate uh, content wise with the museum exhibit that's there on site. So the park itself has the beautiful uh, natural setting, uh, but many of the cultural features are on the Iowa side. So we had to also balance the story we were telling between those two uh, those two features. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's uh, uh, there's it's a uh, you try and tell it through modern eyes as well, the, not to we give away the film, but it, it yeah. begins in, in contemporary times with, right. a, with a native man telling a story. And I have to point out one of the, one of the uh, <laughs> nice things about the film is he's te- going to tell the story to these two grandchildren and, and, one, and the grandson's phone goes off. It gets a very stern look from his grandfather, which I thought right. was really funny. Um, but, but doing that, setting that in modern times and having him tell that story, I think was was uh, uh it made it like okay this is not just a history lesson this is right it's a storytelling you know and it was it was cool right. in that way
5: well that that was part of the idea and i think that comes out of uh we've interviewed hundreds of people over the years native and non-native and the, one of the most common things people will say is I, I wish i had asked my grandparents or my parents these questions that hmm. now i you know they're gone and i can no longer do that so the film was meant to uh, model that kind of interchange and encourage that kind of interchange between kids and, and older uh, people who have information that can be passed on.
0: What was the challenge here in terms of casting? How, how difficult is it to cast a, a, f- a film like this where you're using uh, contemporary people to portray uh, folks who are you know hundreds and hundreds of years in the past? Um,
5: yes yeah, sixteen fifty was the year that we tried to depict uh, in the film when we go back into the past. And um, there aren't as you know, there's not that many uh, native actors uh, when in compared to some other groups. and mm-hmm. so we really uh, were able to pull from people in the region. So um, there were folks from uh, South Dakota, there were folks from Kansas, from Oklahoma, uh, from Iowa, from um, Wisconsin. <laughs> So in uh, Minnesota as well.
0: Yeah, and it's it's very interesting to see these folks uh, portraying um, that era. Uh, how hard was it to uh, do those settings in um, authentic uh, look where you you know don't make a mistake where somebody's you know wearing a, wearing an Iowa, uh, Apple Watch or something? <laughs> That's an extreme example, but you have to try and make them as historically accurate as possible.
5: Right, that's right, and we don't uh, we don't have detailed information about 1650, so we had to go from information that we had, which would have been in the uh, 1800s, and, and sort of dial it back a bit to something. Uh, it's an imagined, I guess, look in terms of the wardrobe and uh, the settings we know a little bit more about. Uh, we did some of the shooting at a place called Living History Farms, in, uh, which is near Des Moines, mm-hmm. Iowa, and uh, we uh, we were able to refit a, uh, a traditional uh, lodge that, that's there and part of the exhibit there and cover it with buffalo hide. And uh, so we had a wonderful setting uh, there, are several settings that we were able to use for the reenactments.
0: And uh, i w- watched a little bit of the behind-the-scenes film that you made uh, yeah. where everybody's drinking out of a a, a Bison bladder.
5: <laughs> Yeah, a bison bladder, um, the canteen of that era, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that was unusual.
0: And how much of that uh, kind of uh, thing did you have to try and um, adapt to make it work for you? Other than the bison bladder, what other sorts of things did you find that you were like, oh, okay, this will work?
5: Well, you know, um, one of the distinctive things about the culture that uh, lived there had to do with pottery, and um, uh, archaeologists, call that culture Oneota. And so the pottery is shell-tempered pottery. And uh, we had a, a gentleman who, who makes pottery in that tradition. He made some pottery for the film. We used that pottery in the fire and heated water in it. I mean, it works as advertised. So it was really <laughs> interesting in that sense, not having to do anything to um, to replicate a scene other than to just actually do it the way they would have done it.
0: Yeah, well, it is fascinating work, uh, and I imagine that you spend uh, a lot of time immersing yourself into the history, and that must be great fun.
5: It was, and talking to the elders, uh, we had good guidance uh, and input from representatives from each of the tribes that I mentioned, and that help was just uh, uh, so important to the success of the film. And, um, you know, for us it was just an honor to play any any role in telling this important story, which really has been forgotten
0: by most people. Uh, Kelly Rundle, he is director of the film uh, for Fourth Wall Films, which is the company he has with his wife Tammy, and you can see it anytime out at Good Earth State Park at the Visitor Center. I recommend it. It's a beautiful film and a great story. Uh, Kelly, congratulations on your nomination for a regional Emmy, Emmy, and good luck in uh, in the proceedings.
5: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Coming right up after this short break, we're going to tell you what's going on tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. (laughs) 458 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Coming up on uh, Saturday... Most Saturdays, every Saturday, I believe, through October, Falls Park Farmer's Market, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. in the shelter across from Falls Park, featuring local vegetables, meats, baked goods, flowers, bedding plants, herbs, coffee, pizza, soaps, jewelry, and so much more. It's always a great time down at the Falls, at the Farmer's Market in the fall. Um, Such a great setting. For more information on this or any other event, go to the events calendar at KSOO.com. Coming up on the show tomorrow, the finest investigative reporter working in South Dakota today, Jonathan Ellis of Argus Leader Media, and we'll talk about uh, one thing I know we're going to talk about, the big uh, food stamp lawsuit now in its seventh year, so stick around, uh, come by 3 to 5, listen to Mr. Ellis, the common man is our weird friend of the day, and Alyssa Boyson. Branch Librarian with Sioux Land Libraries will tell you about a big drive to get people signed up for the library. That's all tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. <laughs>